Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Miscellaneous Weekly. I'm your host, Bridge. Wow, I've had a whirlwind of a week, my guys. Uh, I just wanted to do a little preface here that's going to take a little longer than normal. Um, I am going to be getting rehired by my job for a different division where I will be getting paid more. And I will hopefully only be working Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday for eight-hour shifts those four days, so about 32 hours a week highballing. But I'll be making at least $9 an hour, which is super cool to me because, ah, yes, money. Also, I put down a deposit on some recording equipment. Uh, like, right now I'm just using a Logitech headset that I got from Best Buy. Uh, I put a deposit down on a 2nd Gen Scarlet 6i6, which I'm really excited about because it's passed through the hands of such podcast greats as Misha Stanton and Reagan from Oak Podcast. You should check out all their podcasts, Ars Paradoxica. Misha does work on Farmerdian in the Bright Sessions as well, and Reagan does Oak Podcast. Check them out. And I'm also going to be getting a Shure microphone, either a SM7A or an SM58. And I am super excited about both of those. I'm just waiting until I figure out where I'm working at work and a little longer to see how my financial situation goes because one set is going to be 250 the other set is 300 Either way, Reagan's cutting me a really good deal and I'm getting all of the cords and if I jump for the SM7... the SM... yeah, the SM7A... I'm also going to be receiving a studio headset, which will allow for playback, real-time playback, and that's exciting. I'll be able to hear what, I'm so- hear what I sound like when I record, and I'll know when I'm being especially stupid so that I can stop myself in time before it's too late. Anyway, <laughs> with all that out of the way, on with the show. The first segment of this episode is, well, it was called Game Design as Understood by an Amateur, but I know nothing about game design, and I just want to ramble, so it's now just called Games I Love. I'm going to pick a game that I really, really like, and I'm going to talk about it for its narrative value and game mechanics, but... Do not, under any circumstances, assume that I know what I'm talking about beyond personal opinion, because I don't. I am not a game reviewer in any sense professionally. I just really like playing games as a hobby, and I wanted to talk about some of my favorites, so I created a whole segment for it. The game I want to talk about today is called Techno Babylon, produced by Wadjedi Games and created by Technocrat Games. I am very stickler about producer versus actual creator, because I've seen so many people just 
get it wrong, and I'm just, ah! Anyway, so Techno Babylon follows three different protagonists. Charlie Regis, who is the oldest of the three protagonists. Max Lau, who is Charlie's partner. They both work for the agency called Cell, which investigates crime. And the third protagonist is Latha. Latha is not employed by Cell. She's not employed at all. She spends most of her time in the the techno part of the game. I'm blanking on what it's called right now. Basically, she spends most of her time in virtual reality. She's a a trance addict. That's what it's called. The trance. <laughs> and of the three characters, you spend the most time as Lotha, and the other part of the time is split between Charlie and Max. It's a point-and-click puzzle game. I only remember two puzzles that I got really stuck on. One I got stuck on because I'm just ass at clicking things fast enough for a character to move. Another because I'm just... It was a plant puzzle, and I didn't understand what I was supposed to do. (laughs) It took me a while. One of the things that I really like about Techno Babylon is it has choices that make you feel like you're actually doing something. You know, you play the game, you play some games out there, and you pick a choice, and you go back and you pick a different choice, and it leads to sort of the same conclusion, which happens in Techno Babylon too. but there are some where you feel like you've actually done something. Sure, you get to the same sort of ending no matter what you do but you have enough influence to at least feel like you've done something and a lot of the choices presented in the game are I mean I guess I think um, I used to categorize them as what's good versus what's right like you can arrest the guy who really set off the bomb or you can pin it on the guy who didn't do it, but is a much worse person. And I like game choices like that, because in a situation that way, I feel there's no right answer. And there's a lot of those. And there are choices... Latha, in particular, has a lot of choices where you can take the quick and easy path and get people hurt along the way, Or you can take the longer route and, I mean, you still hurt people, but hurt them less. There's one puzzle where you can choose to actually get this guy some medication for the super advanced spyware he has in his head. Or you can just inject him with water and say you've injected him with medicine. I usually do the puzzle because I feel bad just leaving him there to fend for himself. Uh, I felt really bad going back through for the completionist getting all of the achievements and having to do that. Uh, But yeah, I just, I really like Techno Babylon as a game. I go back and I play it still. I have two copies, one on Steam, one on good old games. 
and uh, I'm gonna buy the app at some point, and I'll have three copies, because I just love that game so much. Anyway, on to segment two. Segment two is podcast crying time. This is just the episode where I get to be really nice about all the things I love. Uh, the podcast I want to talk about, and I <laughs> spent a lot of time thinking about which one I'd like to do, but you know what? I just did the Greater Boston presentation for my fiction class last Tuesday, so Greater Boston podcast written by Alexander Danner and Jeff Andreessen. It's got a really good, talented voice cast. Mike Linden earns a shout-out because... Fuck, I'm usually so good at recognizing voices, and he tripped me up four times now. I didn't know that uh, Guy Seeking Truck, Marlo, the Singing Telegram, and Oliver West were all voiced by the same guy until I was re-listening to Greater Boston with my roommate, who's not here right now, but I wish she was. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> That threw me for a loop so bad, and I'm still in that loop, because, wow. <sighs> anyway, I just, I really love the narrative flow that they have so much. I wasn't into the first episode until the ending. The ending of the first episode. Ugh, I knew Leon was going to die, because I saw a post on Tumblr, Leon, a ghost, Ghosts? I don't believe in them. And I was like, uh, you know what, maybe I'll give Greater Boston a try. And I wasn't feeling it. And then I got to the end of the first episode, and it just ends with, nope. Then he preemptively expired, willfully exited the world before feeling even the first breeze of descent. And that just blew my mind. I had... <laughs> I'm pretty sure at that time I had Wolf 359 queued up to listen to a couple episodes after it, but I stopped and I went and I just listened to the second and third and fourth episode of Greater Boston and I didn't get back to Wolf 359 until I had finished the first season of Greater Boston. <laughs> and uh, that pushed back me catching up with Wolf, but it was so worth it. I love the narrative payoff it has. The entry to season two, that's probably my favorite. My favorite full-length episode, watch her over Third Sight. Just because I love Leon so much. He's so snarky. And he's already dead, but he's so snarky and good. I love Mallory, too. She's such a fun character. God, I wish I had the ability to make swear strings the way she does. Fan-fucking-amazing. Oh, God, I love her. I love all of the characters, really, but Leon and Mallory? Top of the list. I like the dynamic between Gemma and her wife, Charlotte. How... Like, you can tell that they really love each other, but they have arguments that have real weight for the story and for their character arcs. I can't name the one that I really want to talk about because it's at the end of season two and a huge-ass spoiler. But, oh, and Michael. Poor Michael. 
He just wants to get his life together. Leon came back from beyond the grave to help him get his life together, but the universe is just not having it. Ugh. And what they did, oh god, what they did with Paletti's character, I, I hated him because he's just, you know the annoying vegans that you hear about? He's that. And you just, oh, you love to hate him. And then one minisode, the Council of Spirits. Oh my god, I love that minisode so much. You get a look at Paletti's character through people who love him, and it's just such a nice little episode. And it's a polyamory done in a respectful way, which as a polyamorous person myself means so goddamn much. And, you know, it's just got a lot of really great voices from other podcasts, too, in it. Uh, I just... I love the way they can distinctify characters, not only through voices, like acting, but also if you look at the transcript, you can still see the distinct voices of each character. And that's something I want to be able to do in my writing, especially since, I mean, even if I upgrade my equipment, I don't know if I'll ever do an audio drama, but... I look up to people who can distinctify characters in written word as well as Alexander Danner and Jeff Van Driesen can a whole fucking lot. And I really hope I made that clear to my fiction class when I got up and did my presentation for them. Because I had to stand up there for an extra, like, five minutes explaining why I chose the part of that episode and why I had... Two stickers of Greater Boston and a little Greater Boston pin because I just really love their podcast and work wasn't enough for the class. And I had to, I just, oh my god, I love Greater Boston so much. If you don't listen to Greater Boston, go listen to Greater Boston. It is a joy. You will hopefully love it because it is amazing. Anyway... On to segment three. The third segment of today's episode is more serious than the other two. Not that I don't find the stuff I love really serious. This is just... This segment is educational future. And as I explained last time we had this segment, I'm going to talk about the current state of the education system and how I want to change it. Well, this, this semester at college, I've been taking a class about bilingual education. Specifically, so far, we've been focused on the United States. And it's come to my attention that bilingual education in America is seriously lacking. Like, not just for foreign languages, but for people from foreign countries coming to America and learning English. Because... All of the methods of standardized bilingual education we have are detrimental to the student or the class at large, and that's just unacceptable. We're so closed off to other languages in the classroom that isn't a specialized foreign language classroom that we either 
make a spectacle out of a new foreign language student who's learning English, or we just straight out yank them out of their classroom, or have a special teacher come in and sit beside them and do the work with them. And for a shy student who's not in their home country anymore, who's not anywhere near a place where they're comfortable, that can be terrible. I was doing a reflection assignment for that class, where we had to talk about our own experiences with it, and again, not bilingual, but I knew a girl in fourth or third grade. Her name was Maria, and she had just moved to America with her family from Mexico. So she knew very basic English, and she was a mostly Spanish speaker. And our school had the pull-out ESL program, where they would pull out students who were uh, learning English as a second language and put them in a specialized classroom for an hour or two a day. Now, that was bad because Maria would always miss whatever the class was going over while she was in her ESL class, so she'd always be a little behind in that subject. And not only that, but the teacher made a spectacle out of her because in an effort to be inclusive to her, the teacher made this whole lesson plan about learning Spanish. The entire class had to do it. There was no way to opt out, so... For a section of our day, like a couple times a week, we'd sit down and we'd learn Spanish. And the thing is, is looking back, I don't remember Maria ever seeming comfortable while we were doing those lessons. And I'll never know things from her perspective, but if I were in that situation, I'd be even more embarrassed. Because, God, could you imagine sitting in a room full of third or fourth graders learning the language you've known for as long as you can remember, and everyone's turning to you because you are the only, quote-unquote, authority on the matter? Like, that would be terrible! Like, our teacher was not a Spanish speaker by any stretch of the goddamn imagination. She had terrible Spanish phonology looking back, and I'm glad that I, like, forgot that Spanish, honestly. I'd probably sound horrible to a native Spanish speaker if I tried with what I learned from fourth grade. I'm a little better with French, but I learned French from an actual fucking French person, so I have a little more authority with the French that I still somewhat know than I do with the Spanish that I learned from an American teacher trying to make a Mexican student feel more comfortable in the classroom and inadvertently making them feel even more alienated. And that is my huge problem with how we focus on bilingual education in this country. Not only bilingual education, which most students don't get at all until they're in high school, and even then, sometimes they don't even care when it's a great skill to have two languages, but also just the way we handle new English learners in classrooms. There are so many better ways to make these new students and new English speakers feel at home in this country than making them feel like they're some spectacle for their classroom. 
it's just, it's ridiculous, honestly. And it's not like we don't know that there aren't better ways. We have tons and tons of linguistic research that proves there are better ways to handle this stuff. But the school system doesn't care because it would take too much time, cost too much money, wouldn't give them enough government funds. Did you know that at one point they tried to make the African-American dialect of English a foreign language to pull in more money? That's just... Oh, God! I just hate how we handle languages in schools. And that's definitely something I would want to change as a teacher. It's something that just... Duh! Gets my goat. And with that, we are on to the end segment of the fourth episode of Miscellaneous Weekly. Four episodes! This is even more amazing than three! Uh, this episode went <laughs> a lot longer than I originally thought it would. Again, because that preface. I'm still so excited for that Scarlet 6x6! Yes! Uh, and now for the plugs. First plug goes out to Techno Babylon by Wadgetai Games, which you can find online uh, at wadgetigames.com. That's W-A-D-J-E-T, Wadget I Games. And they do a lot of really cool point-and-click games. Also, shout out to James Jordan, the creator of Techno Babylon, who you can find on Twitter at Technocrat Games. I will have all of the links for them in the show notes. You can find Dave Gilbert, the production manager and creator of Wadjedi Games, on Twitter, at Wadjedi Games. Uh, and then the next one, Greater Boston, uh, greaterbostonshow.com. At In Greater Boston on Twitter, at Greater Blogston on Tumblr. Uh, you can find Alexander Danner, one of the writers, at Alexander Danner on Twitter. You can find the other writer, Jeff Van Driesen, at J Van Driesen on Twitter as well. I don't know about their other social medias. I'm pretty sure there's an Instagram. I think I remember that from the site. But yeah, you can find both of those amazing content and their creators at the places I've mentioned and at the stuff in the show notes. So give them a look, buy something, support them. They're amazing and I want them to keep creating stuff. Uh, and then me. I can be found at Corner and Chair on Twitter and at my own little Corner and Chair on Tumblr. Uh, shoot me a message if you like this episode or don't. I don't care. Uh, and... You know, I'll see you next week.